Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm delighted to be joined by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello. And by Liam Corliss. Hello. Try not to tangle your headphones up there in the corner, Liam. You're having a bit of a mess. plugged in? Yeah, they should be plugged in. Put them on your head. Can you hear? Can you hear your own voice? Hello. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. I'm glad we've got that sorted out <laughs> while, while we're on air. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's been a, another gruelling week following Manchester United, really, hasn't it, Samuel? Fresh well, from not not too much mileage, fortunately. We've got that to look forward to in in October with Belgrade oh, and Norwich and Bournemouth, London and Bournemouth. Yeah, that's gonna be all it. in a row. But yeah, it was a one close to home. It was only the second time United have ever met Rochdale in a competitive fixture. Uh, quite a good atmosphere made by the fact that Rochdale had six thousand fans at the stadium in, in that aspect. But my word, it was another. <laughs> Another one to add to the catalogue of underwhelming, dull midweek Carabao Cup games for United, but but a win. It, just just oh, about. It I think it's, it's one of. I think on soccer base, it, it, they have it marked down as a as a D rather than a W. I remember when when Man City went on hands. their club record winning spree or whatever it was. They had two oh, yes. shutout wins against. Was it Leicester that's right Carabao something? And someone, yeah, there was another one at the Etihad, but I can't remember who they won on. Um, who they beat on penalties? But basically, it was just does a, does a penalty shot count as a win or a draw? It's yeah, it's it, it's it, a draw. It, definitely. <laughs> I, I think in I think in the purposes yeah. of how well, United toss a coin, didn't they? Sometimes at the end of yeah, that's that's going back well before my time. Yeah, uh, fortunately, uh, I think given the way United are playing at the moment, it's fairer to regard it as a draw. Uh, it, Again, it was embarrassing the, the amount of attempts there at goal, um, the, the dearth of creativity. The it, Solskjaer wants them to play fluid football, and the, the system just doesn't look conducive to that. It's it, they just all seem too rigid at the moment. It was the wrong personnel, or players aren't performing. I thought it was quite apt that Greenwood scored. Two and Zeebie debuted, and, and William, sorry, Williams debuted, and Two and Zeebie captained them because um, that was the redeeming feature for United. It was the it was the academy players and and also the young players in in someone like Daniel James. Luke Matheson was the story; he had to be the story, even though Rochdale didn't get through, and, and rightly so. I thought that was that was an incredible moment. It was it was you know it was pretty great to actually witness that. Um, Kid who's you know got a psych- had a psychology exam on Thursday and scoring at Old Trafford and up until that point had played brilliantly as well. Uh, it must be said. So it, it wasn't a derby in the last year in that they've actually stayed in the League Cup, but this this recent sequence of results since the um, since the the internationals it's just wholly unconvincing. You've not seen anything to. From United, from United fans' perspective, I don't think they've seen anything to reassure them. It's just the same issues, but this is going to be the case certainly until the end of the season, even if they do actually do any business in January. Yeah, Liam, I guess the biggest disappointment was that most United fans weren't surprised it was a struggle against Rochdale and the Anderson. You could almost predict if you're being a pessimist, but do you think it is down to the personnel or down to the, the tactics? Or, or what, what do you think the reason is that United struggle so much against these lesser teams at home? Um, well, it's difficult to put your finger on, to be honest. Um, like Samuel said, it, it it was good. The redeeming factor of the night was the young players that came through. Um, obviously, Greenwood scoring the goal. Williams was bright. I know he got booked and he has got a bit of a fiery temper. Toons Abbey played well, captain in the team. Um, what was most frustrating for me was the fact that 
the established players in the team again didn't step up so we had Pogba returning I know it's his first game back since injury but it's not like he's coming back from a cruise ship he's only been out for three or four weeks he and should be stamped <laughs> exactly yeah he should be stamping his authority all over that game Fred had a chance to well you would think that he'd be out to prove himself try and get in the team against Arsenal he was poor Andreas Pereira's poor you know Andreas Pereira is not a Man United quality player um so yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, it's d- difficult to put your finger on on what the issue is at United. They're obviously not playing well. They've not played well all season, bar maybe like a half against Chelsea, or half an hour against Chelsea, and a half against Wolves, perhaps, first half. Um, but yeah, maybe play, players lacking confidence, perhaps. I think Liam's lugubrious tone probably sums up most United fans how yeah, they're feeling I at the moment. Samuel, more from you. I don't think I've ever heard that word said. <laughs> What does lugubrious mean? Uh, just, just gloomy. Oh, that's quite nice. I can't help. Yeah. I can't help my natural <laughs> voice. Lugubrious Liam. I quite like the alliteration uh, <laughs> to that. But uh, so I mean, more on Pogba. Uh, did you find it peculiar that he started? I know before the game, Solskjaer said he would get some minutes and, and definitely be, he said definitely be back for Arsenal as well, didn't he? Ironically, he won't be because he played against Rochdale, it looks like. But uh, what did he make a decision not only to start Pogba, but for him to play the entire 90 minutes as well? Because it looks like, obviously we'll get onto the injury news in the second half, but it looks like it's had detrimental effect on, on his fitness. Yeah, and the, Solskjaer said today that he's taken a knock to his ankle, which was why he didn't take a penalty, apparently. Although he's not good at penalties, so you probably wouldn't want him as one of your top five. Uh, and, and apparently that was also why he didn't go to this team bonding mill they went on out on, on on Wednesday night after the game. When they going into that game, they'd have thought, okay, League One team, we'll, we'll get the game won early, hopefully. James Garner comes on for Pogba. He's got his minutes. He's ready for Arsenal. The fact that United can't even... That, that that forward planning cannot come off for them it's, it's not a surprise this, this is just the way they are at the moment I don't think anybody was surprised that Rochdale held them to a draw either uh, that's that's the pitiful thing about it so I, I, can, I can understand why they needed to give him minutes I mean I think that was it was perfectly legitimate to uh, to give him uh, a start it's just that he didn't perform he only had, he has himself to blame in a lot of ways he missed that sitter with the header at the far post in the first half you think if they if they score in the first half they'd probably win that game easily wasn't to be and now the way it's going just on the injury front like everything just reflects horrendously on them so if he is actually out for this Arsenal game having got injured in a game against Rochdale it's Again, it's it's pretty galling. This seems to be happening every week to the point that in the West Ham week, obviously then that game losing, not scoring, Daniel James is the centre forward. Every other striker is injured or, or unwell in Greenwood's case. And earlier in the week, Llorente, who they could have signed, they didn't want to sign, they never really seriously considered signing, um, scores for Napoli to help them beat Liverpool in Liverpool's first defeat since what... January, I think it was. So, some, you know, it, it is a perfect storm in a lot of ways, and the events are conspiring against them. But this all, it, we will say it in every podcast, it all comes back to not replenishing the squad in the summer. If they replenish the squad properly, then they probably wouldn't be in this situation. Do you think there could be a case of the play? Obviously, Solskjaer was saying towards the end of last season that the players aren't fit enough, he's going to run them into the ground, really. And- in pre-season did you get the sense during the tour that he was maybe working them too hard or is that not something that you 
they had those stats, didn't they? They said they're trying to do double the amount of sessions. Double, they did a lot of double sessions in Perth. Yeah, but they said they? they were trying to do the double the amount of sessions they did last year at one point, weren't they? Which I don't think the yeah. maths ever worked out on that. There, there, was, there was a weird stat, which was... It was as if to say... Sounds a bit cynical, but they, they clearly were. It was as if to say, look how much more... Look, look how much more we we're making them work this year than on pre-season last year. And now, obviously, what completely skews that is pre-season last year, you had Joshua Bowie on the tour. You had loads of players not there because it'd been the World Cup. So you're not going to work... What's the point working Rashawn Williams, who's now at um, Shrewsbury? What's the point uh, getting Joshua Bowie up to level when he's now at... <laughs> was it a D- Dutch team he's gone to isn't Dutch it I think too yeah I know Nishan Burkhart went to yeah but but again so like the, these are the Joshua Burr research yeah. now don't the, you worry but the fringe players what, what's the point working them that hard there was not the, the emphasis on that I think in pre-season I mean I, I, we can all sound a bit Raymond Verheyen when we get into this territory but I did get the impression that maybe with double sessions it can be counterproductive and I think Van Gaal did double sessions in 2014. And of course, at the start of that season, there were a spate of muscle injuries. I think Luke Shaw got injured before the first game of the season. Nothing new there. Nothing new net there. Nack Brader. There we are. Nack Brader. Or NAC Brader, however you pronounce it. Uh, for Joshua Bowie. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's NAC, me. Do you think so? There's also that Nack NAC Nimij, Nimij gang. Indeed. Oh, I can't remember. I really much but the, the wider point being, I... I I do think there's an element of risk when you do double sessions in that you can overwork the muscles too quickly. And I think apart from Pogba, which was an impact injury, Rashford, Marshall, Shaw, um, you know, that they've all been muscular injuries. So there has to be, they've, they've said about, oh, we've got these, this new staff and we've made all these changes, but the changes clearly haven't been effective enough. Marshall seems quite prone to muscle injuries. I think it's kind of gone under the radar because he's not exactly like Louis Zaha, but he's been out for a long time now since that Palace game. Shaw just always, that that's followed him pretty much ever since he joined United. Rashford, I didn't think looked right before he came off against West Ham. I think in the first half there, there seemed to be, again, Solskjaer didn't help himself. I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for Rashford, but Solskjaer giving him, playing him for 90 minutes against Astana, it's, it's not, it's not the best way to go about it. But the flip side to that is that players have coped with workloads similar to this since time immemorial and have got about it. Okay. I guess that, Question. I mean, the strike force now obviously is going to be depleted going into Monday with Marshall and Rashford both looking like they're not going to play. And then it's a lot of pressure on Greenwood. Solskjaer alluded to that today, saying that he'll have a think about it over the weekend, whether he starts against Arsenal. But do you think there are any other sort of attacking alternatives United could resort to if they weren't to have Marshall and Rashford for the international break? Or do you think it is too much pressure on Greenwood? If he's going to play an out-and-out striker, he's got to play Greenwood. The only alternative to play in Lingard through the middle. As a as a number nine, a false nine maybe, and and the irony of that is that he played in there against Arsenal in January, but he had Lukaku. Sanchez and Lukaku either side. Of him. They both played well. Yeah, I yeah. guess. And then maybe James, who obviously finished the game at West Ham there. But I, I think if if you're going to send a message to Greenwood and you're going to say you're not starting against Arsenal after scoring two in two starts, that's not a very positive message to send to him. I mean, we all remember Rashford making his breakthrough in twenty twenty sixteen against mm-hmm. Arsenal. His second ever 
a second ever game for United. Come on and score. Well, started and scored two goals. So I don't. I don't think there's any reason why Greenwood. Um, why Greenwood shouldn't play? Do you not just feel? I guess the one argument against it would be Greenwood will have played Thursday, Monday, maybe Thursday again. If Marshall and Rashford weren't fit for Alkmaar as well, then you've still only got one striker for that. And three games in a week might be a bit much. I, for... I think Solskjaer's got to be prioritising games then because Arsenal's a bigger game than Alkmaar in my opinion. So. Glad you had to clarify that. <laughs> well, your your question was: Should he play Thursday, uh, Monday, Thursday? And if he's going to choose no, to play out of Monday Thursday. or Thursday, he should play the Monday game. Yeah. Even if Rashford and Marshall are fit on Monday, I'd still play him. The f- he's it would have been what five days, wouldn't it, since the last game that he played? So that's a good period of rest if they are worried about burnout. I mean, I don't think they are, or they should be, uh, but. He's he's the most he's the redeeming feature along with Daniel James in that attack. I just think it's it's just logical. I think Rashford's been it's been dreadful for six months. Yeah, you, what what do you think's brought on this ridiculous Rashford slump? He's he's not been right since the Liverpool game when he got that ankle injury in the nil nil. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, it's happened to a couple of them, like Lingard and Marshall haven't been the same since they got injuries against PSG in early February. None, of the, Neither of them have picked up form. I think with Rashford, it, it is really difficult to put your finger on it. I, th- I don't think it helps that he doesn't have a defined role. It's all very well being like Messi or Griezmann or Suarez where they can play across the line and obviously has aspirations to doing that have that aspiration when you get to their level, which I don't think he ever will do. And he's saying, I want a free role. I want to play through the middle, but I don't want to be a number nine, but you're not a playmaker. He's certainly not a right winger. Um, James is is the left winger. He's, he's the best left winger at the club at the moment. I, I genuinely don't think that's, that's been, I think that's been counterproductive. Not him, him. It's clearly him saying, I don't want to play there. Don't want to play there. Don't. Play. Well, what do you want to do? Well, I want a free role. Okay, give him a free role, and it's it's a problem when Marshall's out injured and you've not got a senior striker to come in, so he has to occupy that role, and he does play like someone who doesn't want to play there. He plays like someone who doesn't know how to play there. I, mean, I don't think if, he does. I mean, if you look at his movement in comparison, I'll go back to Greenwood again. When you look at Greenwood's runs, he, he just looks like a natural striker. He looks like he knows where to go. Yeah. But Rashford, I always feel like he's making runs that he shouldn't be making. Yeah. I think people always say, well, of course he's a striker. Look at the way he started when he came into the United team. And they allude to his goal, like the one against Spurs and stuff, but... You hear pundits all the time but, but saying even, he is a even, number nine. But... Even that, even... The one in January. Yeah. Well, even that day, Lingard was playing in between him yeah. and Marshall. He was, he was actually playing on like the right-hand channel. I still think like even the, that got the goals he scored against Liverpool two with Mourinho. It was, it was from the left, yeah. From the left. And that was just sort of instinctive, sort of cut inside, have a shot across goal. Like I said, yeah, I, don't, I, just, I would never back him to United's number nine, ever. Over no. I, I think, choice now as well. I think if he had... If somebody, somebody should just sit him down and say, be a right winger. We, yeah. we have not got a right winger. We've still not signed a right winger for whatever reason. Make that position your own. But he clearly doesn't want to play there, probably because he's not left-footed and it's all about inverted wingers these days. And it, it, he feels a bit restricted there, which, OK, fair enough. But I, I genuinely think when all the forwards are fit, one, I think, you know, the formation I don't think is, is quite right. I think 
they, they probably four three three is a better balance there if everyone's fit. But whether it's four two three one or four three three, I genuinely don't think he should necessarily be in the first eleven there. I think it's up for debate at the very least. But the problem is, and you think, well, who t- who comes in for him when you're playing four attackers? And it's like, oh, Mata been sh- shocking recently. Lingard, who's been woeful for best part of a year. It's it's the same problem. It just keeps whirring around. We say that Lingard loves playing against Arsenal. He got his first yeah. assist of the calendar year <laughs> as well on Thursday night. So who knows? Might have a rejuvenated Messi Lingard for Monday against Arsenal. But that probably gives us the perfect time for the half-time break. We will preview the Arsenal game after the break. And producer Ash has brought out some a, a double teaser question today. Um, it's quite straightforward. You get a bonus point if you can specify the number on both of these as well. What he wants to know is, who is the top scorer and the top appearance maker in Arsenal versus United fixtures in the Premier League? Hello and welcome back to the Manchester is Red podcast. Just before the break, we left you with a very confusing teaser question. Who is the record scorer in fixtures between United and Arsenal? And who is the record appearance maker in the same fixture? We believe of all time, our producer assures us it is. If it isn't, Please direct all feedback to him, no matter how polite or offensive it may be. Uh, which of you would like to go first? Liam, you look like you're... Um, for goals, I go Rooney. And for... We appearance. want numbers as well. Oh, you want numbers? If possible. Well, that wasn't part of the question. I, I, well, he really flustered me with the question. Well, I'll guess There's a bonus approximately point. 13. Okay. And... Are we doing them? We'll do goal? one. We'll do one All each right. at the moment. Uh, and, and appearance goals. maker. Oh, we need to do goals as well. Goals. Um, this is of all time. Apparently so. Cliff Baston. <laughs> How many? Fourteen. <laughs> one of you's correct. That's Liam. <laughs> Liam Corliss. Twelve goals, Liam. Uh, I was going to say twelve. So yeah. I'll give you one. Maybe a half if you need it. And then for the appearances, who would like? To- gigs. I'd have said gigs as well. Yep. Uh, 30. 45. It is Ryan Giggs. And it's either 56 or 50, because he's put five in the letter C next to it, and I'm not quite sure. 50, 50. okay. Right. Well, I'm glad that's done. It's the worst tease one all, I've ever experienced, I think. It is just tedious. Yeah. yeah, one all. Oh, no, two. You got. I got half and half, and he got one of a full one, and none of the other one. We're all losers here, Liam. Don't worry, there are no winners in this game, including the listeners. That the has time. really killed the bubble, hasn't it? Yeah. Cheers, Ash. Right, let's move on. Never one there is next week, but yeah. I mean, one of the questions here is, what's your favourite memories of Arsenal versus United? That'll be a good one. Um, yeah, United versus Arsenal. It does feel going to the game, Liam, like there is growing pressure, especially on, on Solskjaer heading into the game. I know he was asked about it at his press conference, so they asked maybe if Unai Emery is under less pressure than him, less scrutiny from the media. But uh, United have been poor in the last couple of games. The last week, especially, has been a real low point. Uh, United, not in the top four. If they lose to Arsenal, it'll be six points adrift already. What? But I don't think we're in the realm of must win, which I feel like you're leaning towards there with the six points adrift potential um, but obviously it's a massive game must win Arsenal are fourth now but no no, it's not must win unless you have to win to get there on the last day no 
Of course. But the good thing is, uh, well, one of the few positives for United is that their contenders to get into the top four aren't that great either. Um, you've obviously got, well, City and Liverpool are guaranteed. But from there downwards, Tottenham are in a bit of a mess at the moment. You would still probably back them to get third. And then you've got Chelsea work in progress. Same with Arsenal. And then you've also got, I don't know, maybe people mooting Leicester as potential top four candidates. And you've got United, you know, like, with, well, you heart back like 10 years or so, you knew what the guaranteed top four was every season. It would be United, it would be Arsenal, it would be Chelsea, it would be Liverpool. So the, the, there is scope for United to get into the top four. Um, and obviously, if they can kind of start their assault with a, a win um, on Monday night, then and that'd be very good. <laughs> it would be very good indeed. Uh, Samuel, I guess, as Liam pointed out, like we've said that a few times that, you know, the competition is so sort of, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what word to use to describe them in the kindest possible way. I guess inconsistent we should go for that. Uh, indeed, there for the taking, but United play better against teams who come out and attack. We saw against Leicester, so against Chelsea, you know, that it might actually suit United on Monday night and play like the away side. On the counter attack, Jesse Lingard, false nine. Oh. Got all the makings of a I mean, United to get a result. But what do you make of the, the growing pressure on Solskjaer? Do you think there has been maybe a bit of an overreaction to, to the poor week, or do you think it is justified? No, I think it is justified because it has been going on for six months. Is it pretty much since he got the job permanently? They've they've not played well, or when they have, it's been in isolated periods. I think what Woodward said in the investors' call. Seems to me, unless United spiral like Chelsea did in in Mourinho's last season, and they're just above the relegation zone, he won't get sacked. I can easily see them not qualifying for the Champions League next year, and Solskjaer still being the manager. I think there'd have to be gross incompetence on his part for him to be removed from that position. And the dilemma they have, obviously, they're not not just obviously who's the right manager, but there aren't many great managers available. People keep saying about Allegri. He inherited a hell of a squad at Juventus that had already started their, um, you know, their monopolising of, of Serie A. And it's a completely different beast in the Premier League. It's the same. Ancelotti is the same. People used to say about Ancelotti. He's a coach who's gone from club to club where there's a stable structure, where there's a brilliant squad to inherit. And he kind of reaps what others have sown in a way. Um, Pochettino is picking fights left, right and centre at Tottenham. And I'd be surprised as it stands now, if United were to turn to him in the near future, purely because they've had Woodward's dealt with two awkward characters in Van Gaal and Mourinho. Solskjaer is not an awkward character. And I think he's not getting, he doesn't do himself any favours there with the supporters because they just see him as a bit of a patsy. They call him like a glazer stooge, a glazer puppet. Um, he made a fair point when he said the people he speaks to in the street are very positive, very encouraging. Those who hide on social media are negative. Um, I, I think that he's had a bit of stick about that because he's, he's, it's a few times now he's had a pop at the social media crowd, but fair play to him. Most of them, those, those, this particular dem- demographic he's on about, they do hide behind uh, faceless avatars and pseudonyms and they don't go to games. Some of them have probably never been to a United game. 
against Rochdale, they were chanting his name. They're not chanting Ole's at the will, but that's only because nobody's bothered to replace Sanchez's and it name. Isn't a, and it it's not difficult song. to, yeah. Just, just add Axel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We start, don't give started out as Joe. <laughs> don't give them any suggestions. Start, started as Jose's at the will. Yeah. Um, us away. So he, his name is still getting chanted and. I think he's always going to have that goodwill from the supporters purely because he won them the treble. There's always been that divide though, hasn't there, between match going fans and the ones online. Yeah, we, we, we see it. We, we kind of experience it. You, you're tempted to tell them to add expletive off, um, but we're all far too professional for that. <laughs> Liam's become professional in that, in that sense, but yeah. it is tempting to put them in their Don't place. Giving a bit back. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you, you absolutely. Bit of, yeah. um, so, yeah, there, there has to be, like, I think you can have constructive doubts about Solskjaer. Do you not per, think that... Per, yes. Sorry, go on. I mean, the only one of the grabs I've seen against Solskjaer this week um, is maybe not just been the results, but it's the fact that he did play Pogba for 90 minutes. It's maybe his game management, the substitutions. Do you think that could be maybe his only downfall? Um, I know you said that he's probably got a bit of leniency even if they miss out on the top four, but if, they, if there's doubts over the way that he actually manages in-game... I don't think that's a concern. Yeah, uh, Ty actually called it during the Rochdale game. Towards uh, just, I think just before penalties, he said to me um, when when he when Solskjaer started and Phelan was back at the club, is it was is it me or were they always out on the technical area, being really like quite animated and proactive? And I hadn't thought of it, and yeah, they were. Um, it was the same at West Ham. It was only Kieran McKenna. In yeah, the technical but area. now Solskjaer seems. I think might have been really since he became permanent manager. He seems to have taken a backseat and delegated coaches to go out and do his bidding for him. But I think it was just as well the game on Wednesday night wasn't televised live in the UK because there were shots of him where he was just sat, sat very firmly in his seat, motionless, looking bemused, looking stumped as to what to do. I think with, with Phelan, a lot of fans think he's... He's great because he's associated with Sir Alex Ferguson, but he's only ever been one good since he finished playing. He's only ever been good at one job, and that was the United Assistant Manager's job. And to be honest, and I've said this before, before he even came back, and to be honest, he wasn't even very good at that tactically in those five years. United got worse. He burst that balloon at Stamford Bridge. Um, He wore shorts. he, he, he tweets sometimes. He, 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 he was he was he was legitimately probably the the he had the least influence as uh, an assistant manager, and it was only by virtue of David Moyes coming in and bringing in his Evertonian staff and reducing United to Evertonian standards that people thought Mike Phelan was panacea. But he's not. He he got sacked by Hull midway through the season they last got relegated in. And that was my concern when they put that coaching staff together. I looked at Solskjaer, whose pedigree as a manager was restricted, confined within the boards of Norway. McKenna had been a first-team coach for six months. Carrick had been a first-team coach for six months. Not a lot has changed there apart from a three-month prolonged honeymoon period where things worked brilliantly and there was a lot of tactical acumen displayed in some of those wins and it wasn't just about putting smiles on faces. You know, Solskjaer did manage the team very, very well. But when you look at that coaching staff's body of work, you're not surprised United are in the situation they're in. Liam, do you share the same concerns? I guess like Samuel said there, that there has been genuine sort of good tactical victories away from home, particularly in, in that 
amazing grim when Solskjaer first took over but you do wonder what what needs to change maybe from a tactical point of view because they keep on playing these sides that you'd expect them to dominate expect them to to thrash really and you might say yes United squad's not what it used to be but it doesn't matter whether you're a United first team or a reserve player you should be showing your class against someone like Rochdale do you think it is maybe a tactical change that needs to happen and I think a big reason they struggle to break teams down that sit deep and why, well, it's, it's already been said before, I'm not saying anything new here, but they play well against teams that come on to them because they can counter well. But when someone's sitting, when they've got a team sitting deep against them, United don't have a player that can break, like that's cute between the lines, that they can break a, a deep line defence down. They've got, in my, in my opinion, Angel Gomez should be playing in the team a lot more than he is. I know he was injured for, was injured against um, Rochdale. Rochdale, yeah. But, in that um, Astana game in the first half, I thought you could kind of tell he was a le- like he was a level above everyone else on the pitch, in my opinion. Like he was picking up the balls in little pockets, dropping it off. His first touch looked immaculate. There's, there's been a lot of hype around him, you know, for three or four years now in the academy. It was hit, kind of him and Chung before Green, Greenwood came on the scene that, um, that a lot was expected of. And I think with United lacking options in that number ten role. Who would you say they've got now in, a, in in the senior squad? You'd say probably Lingard and Mata. Lingard's not a playmaker though. But but that's that's that, where I he know has you, played that's, that's yeah. for United yeah. and yeah. and Mata Pereira. Mata doesn't really play in a ten either. Well, Pereira looks to be the right winger, at the moment, <laughs> doesn't he? Which is another it's about as much of a right winger as Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you get Mata on the right wing because he he's, he's never really like even since he's been. How long has he been at United for now? Came in January, January 14, and he's never ever stamped his authority on that number ten role. He's never made, said, "Oh, that's my role. That's my position in the team." And then, yeah, Andreas Pereira is well. He's, he's not any, anything for United. He's, that, I'd be surprised if he sees out this ridiculous contract he, he was given in the summer. But so that, yeah, in my opinion, that's why Gomez should should start featuring a lot more, break down these teams that, that sit in and try and like and play on the counter attack against United. Pereira is a player who should be grateful if he's ever on the bench, even in this United squad. So for him to have started as many games as he has, and uh, you know, the fact, the fact Solskjaer refers to him as Andy as well, you just you, you cringe. It's it's nearly as bad as Rashi. Yeah, well, Solskjaer said in the uh, in the summer that uh, Andy P and Scott McSauce would be the two people to replace Herrera as well, didn't he? Not verbatim like that, as you just did. No, we should <laughs> we should say that. But he did say that those two would, could expect to play 20, 30 games, or start 20, 30 games a season. I, I knew that would go um, horribly wrong as soon as I... I think I think it might have been my question when I asked mm-hmm. him, like, who's the yeah. replacement for Herrera here? And it's like, well, Sean Longstaff's been priced out, so <laughs> he, he, didn't, he didn't refer to Longstaff, but he just... He immediately turned to McTominay and Pereira, and uh, yeah, there, there are times where he he does put his foot in his mouth at times with things like that. I mean, just in the summer, look, they knew for look, they sold Fellaini in January. They knew in early April Herrera was going. You just make sure you get a quality midfielder in. And now, I don't think anyone thought they should have gone for Sean Longstaff. Who, I did. <laughs> I think he's a decent player. He's, you would have improved what, what United had. Uh, 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 50 million, no. no. But when United were supposedly interested in him, they were looking at 20, 25 million. The thing about it was I they seemed... Good. We were having a conversation about it early in the week in that when they were quoted the figure, that was like, that's it. Yeah, no, no call back. But they should have gone to Newcastle because Newcastle would have said, you've just paid this money for Wan-Bissaka, so we want 
this. They should have said to Newcastle, you do realise Wan-Bissaka played pretty much every game for Palace last season. This kid has played nine games. You know, you negotiate if you want a player that much. I don't think they did want him that much. Longstaff's representative said there were a few midfielders ahead of him on their shortlist, but for various reasons, those those options were no-go. They needed... They needed an experienced option in that as they needed an experienced mm. forward. Um, and you don't have to be outside their age range because it's about signing players age 26 or under. You can sign a quality proven 25 or 26-year-old uh, midfielder or attacker, I'm sure, but they didn't. Liam, you mentioned before that you'd like to see Angel Gomez get more minutes. Do you think he would be in a position to actually feature against Arsenal on Monday or do you think it's one where... I'd be I'd be surprised I'd be surprised if he started very do you, surprised do you think he would be though from your personal point of view would you in start content- if you were mm. in charge I don't, I don't know it's a big call and well I suppose I was saying that Greenwood um, you know age is no issue for Greenwood because he scored two in two and I think I think fans would be happy to see Gomez start but um, mm. Don't know. It's not going to happen, is it? Is, yeah, yeah that's kind of like, I don't want to go bench, too hard on it. Cause on the bench, just 100%. On the bench head of Tahith Chong, maybe. Yeah, if he, can get, if he gets on the bench. And, He's and actually called Chongy, by the way. Uh, oh, Chongy, yeah. Little Samuel, but... Uh, yeah, I don't, don't really know what the future is for Chong. He's been pretty... That, that's uh, at the end of the year. It looked really poor every game he's played so far. In the, in I don't the think there's been one... He's had. He must have had near, near to heart. It does away last Yeah, that was the And he was quite erratic during that. He was good. Yeah, his his best first team appearances have come in friendlies. Unfortunately for him. Yeah, uh, Samuel on the team selection for Monday night. Uh, obviously, the injuries will impact that. Pogba doubt. Marshall Rashford expected to miss it. Luke Shaw will have a late fitness test, we believe as well. But uh, what type of team would you play against Arsenal? Particularly maybe that central midfield partnership because, like you both said, Fred didn't really impress against Rochdale. No, he didn't. I. I... <sighs> I, I would probably bring him in and I don't think it will happen but if Rashford and Marshall are both injured uh, you get to that stage where you're just playing players out of necessity and I don't think they need they should do that too widespread I can see Lingard starting and I think okay James Greenwood they should start that your front three though? yeah and playing Pogba further ahead. I mean, Solskjaer said the other week how well McTominay and Fred have done together and they have uh, against PSG in Barcelona last season. I thought they were very good. Solskjaer also mentioned Arsenal, so it must have been the away game in, in March. I know Fred did all right that day, but and United played probably the last time United actually played well in a in the majority of the game, yet they lost 2-0. Uh, so I'd, I'd, I would go with a midfield three, but with Pogba given license to, you know, link the play there. But that's assuming he's he's fit. If if him, Marshall, if he Marshall and Rashford are all out injured, then I wouldn't say I can't see United not winning because they have beaten Arsenal with some atrocious teams in the recent past, and there are still a bit of the Vengeritis about this Arsenal team as well. When, when was the last time Arsenal won at Old Trafford? We were talking 06, about 06 in the league. They won in the Adibar. Cup. Oh, they won yeah, in the, the FA Cup. cup. Yeah, yeah, well at 2015. Yeah, in 2015. Maria red card. Good times. Good times. Uh, Liam, for you, what's your sort of prediction ahead of Monday then? Because I know we had the chat. For a team before. or a result? Just sort of result, I guess. And maybe who you, maybe for our own team selections. I know we all had the chat sort of colloquially in the office before and said... 
Nervous can really see Arsenal winning, even if Arsenal. <laughs> I could see it being a chaotic game, lacking quality, ended in a draw. That's what happened last season, didn't yeah. it? That was that was, was an enjoyable game, yeah, but it was absolutely it was. terrible. Like in standard terms of, was, yeah. As, if you were the manager of one of those teams, you would not be pleased with a point no. because of the performance. So you expect another chaotic drum. What, what about you for team selection? In, in maybe the worst case scenario that Pogba, Marshall and Rashford are all missing, what would you go for? The back five picks itself. Yeah. What would your free six be, I guess? Um, McTominay's obviously got to play. Pogba if he's fit. Yeah, I'd probably got midfield trio. McTominay, Fred, Pogba. If Pogba wasn't if fit, Pogba's who would you not bring fit. Andy P? Probably go Matic, to be honest. Probably go McTominay, Matic, Fred, which is pretty atrocious. Um, and then a front three of, of Greenwood through in the middle. Um, James left and... Lingard. It'd have to be Lingard. There's no one else, is there, other than Chong? Or Mata. I think Lingard yeah. just starts out of necessity. Yeah. And I know it is one of those things, but he scored four goals against Arsenal in the Premier League. I think in his history, Lingard is the best sort of return against any club. I'll kick my water bottle to the ground and... Jose. Yeah. But yeah, you know, do you think players actually uh, believe in those sort of records? You know, do you think Lingard would be, he knows he can score against Arsenal every time he plays against them? Do you think that is the type of thing that hypes you up for a game? I think, I think he would have the personal belief that he can unsettle them again in that there will be some players on that pitch that he has come up against before and he has had their number um, a few times in, in, in the last couple of seasons. And he, he does have some big game nows about him I thought in fairness to him in the Chelsea game at the start of the season he was quietly effective in that one it's just been that's that that game has pretty much been an anomaly in the last last six or seven months for him um, he's just not been performing he didn't again the other night you, you do despair about where they how they view certain players because Lingard I think was the playmaker in that game my god for a number 10 he he hardly he hardly had the ball and when he did have the ball he didn't do he did next to nothing with it the irony was that he got the assist for Greenwood's goal but it just goes his best position and he will never play there because of the way things have gone is as an attacking midfielder it's people forget when he first came into the team under Van Gaal he was brought in more it seemed for his discipline now and getting back and tracking back and defending than the attacking side but it's almost as if he's become too attack-minded and he's a bit of a liability tracking back. But I, I think he would work well as an attacking midfielder emerging from a, a midfield three, but it just seems like it's never particularly considered. So do you think if if United played with one holding midfielder instead of two, and they had like, so instead of you have the two and the one in a four-two-three-one, you'd have a one and then a two. Do you think he could operate as one of, as one of yeah, those two? Yeah, and when obviously they need to track back, he... He, he just tracks back because he's got a, he's got a good engine on him uh, because he's not a right winger he's not a playmaker you know. he's more just someone to drive drive the ball yeah, forward or, but, really. or, his best attacking threat seems to be through the middle as well yeah, he scores a good absolutely. goal so they're cutting in on the edge of the box the, the Arsenal game two seasons ago when De Gea made all those saves Lingard played in a midfield three that Matic was holding and he was with Pogba um, the Marshall assist yeah. yeah, yeah, and they had Lukaku and Marshall ahead of them. Things like a three-five-two, yeah. uh, and it worked brilliantly. But 
I think Mourinho after that game didn't play him there again because they conceded so many chances. They were like incredibly yeah. porous. I mean, De Gea, was it 14 saves or 13 saves, whatever it was. And it was probably a bit too fast and loose for him and they might not have got away with it again. There we go. We've solved the Jesse Lingard problem just like that. We'll see if Ole listens by Monday. Liam, thank you very much for joining us on the Manchester Red Podcast. Will you be back? I'll see if I'm invited back, yeah. <laughs> Please do let us know if you what you made of Liam's performance today. Samuel, thank you for joining us again. Thank you. We will be back uh, next week to reflect on whatever happens at Old Trafford on Monday night as United take on Arsenal in the Premier League and then we'll look ahead to AZ Alkmaar in the Europa League. That should be a fun away day for you. The Louis van Gaal derby. Is that why he's... He won the league with him, I think, didn't he? Did, yeah, maybe he did actually, yeah. And Sergio Romero used to play. Yes, he, he'll be the uh, pre-match player, no That'll doubt. That'll be the warm reception, won't it? Uh, Thank you very much for joining us on the Manchester Red podcast today. Please do make sure to leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And join us again next time.